Disclaimer. In this story, we will be discussing the torture, sexual assault, and murder of a teenage girl. This chapter may be triggering for some listeners. This will be the only warning. Please do not listen if you are sensitive to this topic. This is the story of two teenage boys who brewed up a morbid plan to kill their friend. Sounds familiar. It does. <laughs> well, this case does remind me of the Scream Killers, only there's less video and more online chats. So if you guys haven't listened to the Scream Killers chapter, I would recommend actually going back and doing so because... The parallels are a conversation starter, I think. Interesting. I don't think I've heard of this one. This is Canadian. It is Canadian, and I was honestly shocked when I learned about it. It is brutal, and I would go as far as saying that it is miles worse than the Scream Killers. Wow. So as you said, I just want to point out that the Scream Killers lived and committed their crime in the States, and this story is based right in Langford, British Columbia, here in Canada. So grab your snacks and nestle in. Kimberly Proctor was born on January 1st of 1992. She loved animals, like a lot, and she loved cats so much that she would wear kitty ears to school when she was young. She owned many different animals, like lizards, mice, hamsters, and even more. Now, because of this and a few other reasons, she had a hard time in school. She was bullied from a young age, and people would often hiss and meow at her in the hallways. Sadly, she also really struggled with anxiety, and it was often hard for her to focus. She'd also like panic in the hallways when the bell would ring and swarms of students would let out. It's like, I can relate. I can relate as well. I remember that. And I remember when I was younger, I had a friend that was, sounds like was just like her at least, like kitty ears, just a love for animals, reptiles and mice at home, all of it. And people, especially kids, can be really cruel to one another when they don't understand something or see something labeled as different. So I can only imagine the extent that she went through. Like, this is just a very small amount, you know? This is... Kids can be so, so brutal. Really, though, nowadays, I'd like to think, or at least once you grow up and you leave that school mindset... Um, you, you learn that there's just so many different types of individuals in this world and being different starts to make you a little bit like special in the best way possible. So, I mean, I, I hope that schools are a little bit different now, a little bit more accepting of stuff. I think that they are in a way, but bullies are everywhere in every school. And I mean, for me, I... I'm probably guilty of not realizing that bullies were just a a constant thing in school cuz I mean I was bullied in school but I never I never thought for a second that my kids would have been bullied. I thought it was just the people that bullied me, right? And then when I found out my kids were also bullied, it it ticked me off like a lot. Yeah. A lot a lot. And then just, you know, what, come to find out there are kids like that in every school. 
It's inevitable. Mm -hmm. It really is. But by saying inevitable, we're kind of we're kind of accepting it like we're never going to change it. Where I think we've come leaps and bounds to um, we're not going to stop the bullies, but maybe identifying why these kids are bullies, what's going on at home, number one, and number two. To empower other kids around them to stand up to the bullies. That's and I a think huge that is it. what it is. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I, but I don't think that bullies are just going to go away. No. It, it's impossible. No. So she struggled with anxiety and everything else. And she eventually had to transfer to a different school because of it. And she transferred to Pacific Secondary. This is where she would go on to meet Cruz Wellwood and Cameron Moffat. Never heard of ringing. Him. No, ringing no. no bells. Not a Cruz Wellwood was a troubled teen to say the least. In 2001, his father Robert Deswin. Nope. Still no bells. Okay. <laughs> Robert Deswin sexually assaulted and murdered a 16 year old girl. He actually got her drunk, raped her, and then beat her to death. Wow. So fucked up. Cruz would have been very young at the time, but he grew up with a clear understanding of what his father had done. Wow. His father was sentenced to life in prison, possibility of parole at 15 years. Canada. Am I right? Terrible. Canada. It's, it's disgusting. It's horrible. It's almost a joke. With his father out of the picture... He lived with his mother in a bungalow on Happy Valley Road in Langford, British Columbia. That sounds pleasant. It does. Does it? <laughs> it does. But Doesn't oh my it? gosh. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree on this one. And Cruz started getting into trouble early on in life from stealing money to smoking pot. In fifth grade, he met his best friend, Cameron Moffat, in art class. And the two bonded over their hate for their art teacher. Cruz was described as being intelligent and wiry, although also a temperamental woman here. And Cameron, a slow learning goth who also struggled with ADHD. Slow learning goth. <laughs> That's how they described a man. Um, actually, later on, they both enjoyed starting fires together and just getting into trouble. And just to add, Kimberly's grandfather, I believe it was, ended up saying that the police referred to Cruz as the Harry Potter looking one, (laughs) just to give you a bit of a visual. Now, Cruz had his struggles, but it's obvious Cameron had his as well. Cameron had been sexually abused when he was only three to four years old. He also struggled with his mental health as a teen. He would sneak out through his window often until it was barred up and he refused counseling and he refused medication. Instead, he would cut himself as an outlet for stress. He was also described as being menacing as he carried a knife around with him even at school. Remember, he was like the goth, the gothy one. Right. You wouldn't get away with that now, though. You can't have knives at school. No, police would be there. (laughs) Cameron would later go on to say Cruz was like his brother. They would skip school together, play World of Warcraft, and even watch porn together. Gross. Fucked up porn. Anyway, this this crime goes by a couple of different names, one of which being World of Warcraft murder. Because 
they used the chat logs in there thinking that they'd be safe. Oh. Stupid boys. In grade seven, Cruz apparently displayed Grade seven. It's a baby. Yeah, and he um he displayed severe antisocial behavior, and this is when school officials said he posed a serious risk to himself or others. Like he portrays full psychopath like brain. Like it, it's crazy. In 2008, he was actually declared to be beyond the capacity of the teachers at Pacific Secondary. So he got the boot because <laughs> the teachers couldn't handle him. Wow. But in 2009, when he was 15 years old, he was let back into the school as he was identified as, quote, potentially gifted despite his, quote, rude, arrogant, and superior attitude. Doesn't that take away from him being gifted i mean intellectually maybe but antisocial he carried himself like the smart jackass he thought he was you know what i mean psychopath psychopath cruz was also known to be physically and verbally abusive towards his mother he displayed a lot of aggression and even ended up slashing another teen's head open by swinging a bike chain into his head wow all right brutal in 2009, Cruz was hospitalized after he had drank too much alcohol. He had issues with alcohol, issue with drugs, and honestly, just an overall fucked up kid. <laughs> so basically just a walking red flag. A walking red flag. And, you know, just like briefly, the Scream Killers, like, they were very different in their, like, oh, definitely how they, they were, thought about things. They were definitely more friendly and conniving. Yeah. Whereas these two, I don't know. They're just weird. I'll just get into it. Honestly, it's hard to explain. Cameron was also going down a similar road as Cruz. And one more time, which one was the, how did they put it? The slow thinking goth? Cameron. Okay. And Cameron is one year older than Cruz. Okay. And Kimberly, one year older than Cameron not a full year it's like one of those you know like grade 11 grade 12 it's a couple months apart right. kind of thing um so again cruz was hospitalized after he had drank too much alcohol cameron was also going down a similar road after being sexually abused cameron was becoming more difficult for his parents to manage his parents separated when he was nine, and after this, he would refuse to attend after-school care while his mother worked, which led him to spending a lot of time by himself or with his sister unsupervised. Older sister? Younger. Nice. Younger sister. Wow. Cameron started hitting his sister at age 10 and started getting into trouble a lot. He was suspended twice at one school, and two months before Kimberly was killed, he was banned from another school for threatening his sister with a box cutter. Bad kid. Very. In, right, and in his last four years of school, he had only passed five of his classes. Wow. Four years, five classes. In February 2009, Cruz posted an entry on a WordPress blog entitled early warning signs of a serial killer. He listed common traits including animal abuse, 
fascination with fire, abandonment by a father, and an intense interest in sadomasochistic porn. On this blog, he wrote, The peculiar thing is I met all 14 criteria. Apparently, though, meeting all criteria makes it unlikely for the subject to be a serial killer. I suppose only time will tell. That's what he wrote on his blog. That sounds like literally like an excerpt out of one of John Douglas's earlier books, who is like the pioneer FBI this stuff. profiler. Yeah. It's really, it's just so silly the way that this guy carries himself and mm-hmm. talks and he's a monster. Mm-hmm. So obviously their issues were spinning out of control in 2009. At this time, the two boys would have been watching rough porn and experimenting with drinking blood and other bodily fluids. These are Canadian boys? These are Canadian boys. This is so tragic. Satanic boys. Disturbing. And from what I read, I can only assume other bodily fluids are referring to (laughs) urine. (laughs) Right. Nice. Gross. Their lives were dark AF at this point. And in November of 2009, as their violent fantasies were spinning out of control, they online chatted about raping a girl they knew from high school, whom Cruz had been romantically involved with at the time. And he was just good with chatting with his buddy about raping his girlfriend? That's what they did. They were, they would like watch like bondage and together yeah where were their parents like honestly okay so cameron's parents split and his mom was always working and then cruz was abusive towards his mom so she was obviously submissive in some way like she wasn't she wasn't like a dominant parent it was also in 2009 that kimberly cameron and cruz became part of the same friend group for a while kimberly dated another boy in the friend group named Zach. It was short-lived, though, as Zach called it off a couple of months in. Kimberly was upset, and she would end up seeking comfort from her friends online, including Cameron and Cruz. During one of her conversations with Cameron, he told her that he liked her. He wrote to her, in quotes, There aren't many beautiful things I've seen, but I must say, you are one of them. He quoted that? That's what Cameron typed to her. Okay. So a lot of what I will be reading between Kimberly and Cruz and Kimberly and Cameron and then also Cameron and Cruz are all instant messages or, you know, MSN, that stuff. For those of you who remember MSN. (laughs) So he wrote that to her and she had replied by saying, ah, thanks, with a smiley face. Kimberly must have been more interested in Cruz, though, as she ended up going on a couple of dates with him. Kimberly and Cruz had gotten closer after her break with Zach. Her friend Samantha said that Kimberly ended up telling her that Cruz was close with Zach and dating Cruz helped to lessen the pain of losing him. And by him, I mean Zach. Samantha had advised her friend to cut things off with Cruz if she didn't truly like him. During one chat, Cruz told Kim he felt more open around her than other people. Cruz messaged, I can't lie to you. It makes me feel too guilty. Normally I can. You make me feel very honest for some reason. 
Kim replied with a laugh and a confused emoticon. They used to be called emoticons. <laughs> she said, thanks, I guess. Online, they began sharing the insecurities that they couldn't in person. Kim told Cruz she still felt short and pudgy, and he said, you're beautiful the way you are. When Kim tried to joke about Cruz's old nickname, the Spaz, he said the wounds ran deeper than she thought. He told her it wasn't a nickname, it was an insult. And this is all quotes. I had huge people issues. I still do, but now I know how people work and what makes them tick. So it's easy enough to put on a mask and play pretend. Ugh. And when Cruz wrote of being violent and explosive to Kim, all she replied with was LOL. So you know what I mean? He was very in his head, like a like antisocial behavior, psychopath, narcissist to the good degree. <laughs> <laughs> so and she seems very accepting i think that she liked the attention of boys just like everybody else does in high school and she had these two boys who would make jokes and stuff like that and it was fun until it wasn't Another chat that he wrote to her another day was, You're too good, Kim. You trust in people too much. But it wasn't long before the relationship ended as Kimberly didn't really like him and had been using him to get over Zach. When Kimberly ended things, he wasn't too happy and he then began tormenting her online and allegedly in person a bit. He got not nice, you know? One second, he's buddy-buddy. He thinks maybe he has a chance with you. And now he's just being mean. I feel like that's very typical of teenage boys. For sure. One day, Kim was chatting separately with both the boys. So Cameron and Cruz at the same time, but different chats. And so she would switch between one window of conversation to the next. And Cam invited her to a party in his pants and promised a cream-filled lollipop. A party in his pants. Yeah. So How romantic. Gross. Yeah, and a cream-filled lollipop is a gross part there. And so Cameron was the one to write her, but instead of replying to him, she messaged Cruz and said, OMG, he says he has a lollipop that will last all night long. I didn't know they made those. And Cruz wrote back, I happen to own that brand of lollipop as well. So you kind of get the dynamic of these two boys. She replied and said, okay, with her signature emoticon, cat whiskers, and said, there is no such lollipop with a cream in the middle. And then another chat from Cameron read, you have death urine on you. You're going to die next. Said that to her? Said that to her. And what did she say? LOL. Um... When they said weird things like that, she would literally just, yeah, dismiss it. Or she'd be like, what? Like, what do you mean? Why did you say that? Like, same thing that I guess, like, anybody would do. Like, what? The day before Kim's disappearance, Cruz messaged Kimberly. And I'm going to read those. Okay. The day before she disappeared. Gotcha. Cruz says, what are you doing tomorrow? And Kim says, nothing other than babysitting at three o'clock. Cruz said, I'm bored and was looking for someone to chill with today. 
I also wanted to apologize. So remember, they were tormenting her a little bit. Right, right. And Kim said, oh, with a question mark. And Cruz said, I have some things I'd rather tell you in person about the entire Zach fiasco. Kim said, this is sudden and I can't help but wonder why. I don't want to talk about Zach. Cruz said, Zach and I aren't as close as we used to be, but I feel you deserve an explanation. Don't worry, it's not much. It's more about why Cam and me and everyone was so mean. And Kim said, whatever happened to Kim, you deserve nothing. You kill your rabbit. Ha ha. She sounds like she's trying to be nice, even though people were being mean to her due to this Zach and her thing. Huh. Cruz said, that's what I wanted to talk about. And Kim said, I gotta say, when I saw your text, I was shocked and confused. And Cruz said, but like I said, I'd rather talk in person. I can meet you tomorrow earlier than your babysitting and talk about it over a couple of bowls. Pop. Read. And Kim said, sure. But then she asked Cruz to call her. And during that call, Cruz secretly patched Cam in to eavesdrop on the conversation and as Cruz and Kim talked, Cruz and Cam privately messaged each other, reveling as their fantasy came to life. Cruz had messaged to Cam during that call, I'm going to rip her nose ring out and burn it. Burn her flesh. What? Isn't it crazy that's Canada? <sighs> recent, kind of? Like, not recent, recent, but like, I was alive. Yeah. Ugh creepy so burn her flesh right and then cam suggested why not keep her bound and alive and then cruz said that's what i'm going to do but i need to get her stoned first and possibly seduce her and cam said lol try quickly now i want to touch base here and let everyone know that we are getting closer to the details of the crime before I continue, I just want to clarify that we are now on March 18th, 2010. Kimberly is 18, Cameron is 17, and Cruz is 16. Around dinner time on March 18th of 2010, Cruz messages Kimberly and says, Hey, I thought you had babysitting. Did you finish early? When Cruz IM'd Kim to see if she was done babysitting, no response came. But he didn't expect one. The instant message was a cover, as Cruz knew Kim had never made it to babysitting because she was right there in his house with him and Cam, bound, beaten, raped, and by the next morning, stuffed in his freezer, dead. My goodness gracious me. Let's rewind to that morning. Kimberly's mother had kissed her little girl and told her she loved her before heading out to work. They were both really happy as just the day before, they had found out Kimberly had enough credits to graduate. Kimberly had no classes this day and was going to sleep in and hang out. She had plans to babysit at 3 o'clock, and when she got home, they were going to get to work on sewing a dress for her graduation, but that moment never came. One sad. So sad. Once her mother was gone, Kimberly slipped on her black sweater with the number 13 on it and headed out to meet Cam and Cruz. The did, two, did she know she was meeting both of them? 
I thought yes. she only had the plans to meet the one. Cruise. Yeah, but like it was almost like always one came with the other. No yeah. Matter, okay. Yeah. The two boys met her after purchasing camp fuel from Canadian Tire, which they would later use to burn her body. Together, they all went to Cruz's house on Happy Valley Road. Earlier that morning, Cruz had told Cam he'd use a code phrase, and this is in quotes, I think I'm going to make KD when he was ready to attack her. So that was the code phrase. Wow. I thought it was really interesting just because like a lot of the American sites and stuff that would report on this didn't know what Katie was. So like they had to clarify that they meant like macaroni and cheese from craft dinner. Yeah. <laughs> Weird. But after arriving at the house, the two boys started kicking and hitting Kimberly as they bound her hands and ankles. Cruz stuffed a sock in Kim's mouth and secured it with duct tape. They then raped and beat Kim for hours until she died from suffocation. Oh my god. Later, it was reported that they used a plastic bag over her head. They mutilated her with a knife and put a four-inch long lollipop stick into her vagina and anus. Oh my god. Ugh. When they were done, they moved her body to a freezer in Cruz's garage. At some point, possibly while Kim was still alive, Cruz sat at his computer and sent her one last message. This is likely his attempt at creating an alibi. The message was him asking her if she was done babysitting yet. While he was online, another friend messaged him for advice on his father, who he thought had been drinking rubbing alcohol, and when Cruz didn't reply, his friend wrote, Dude, speak. And that's just important because eight minutes later, Cruz replied, sorry, the freezer was jumping around. What's fucked up? Jesus. Right? That evening, Cam texted an ex-girlfriend, encouraging her to sneak out of her house and join him at Cruz's, but she didn't come. Thank God. And this isn't confirmed, but they had another girl planned picked i think that they were like he was so cruz was mad that kimberly broke things off and that's what they did to her and i think he was trying to get this ex other ex-girlfriend of his over so that they could do the same to her oh my god and she didn't go thank god good lord the next morning cruz and cam put kim's body into a hockey bag and boarded a bus for the galloping goose trail once there they walked to a place under a bridge and they doused the bag in fuel and lit it on fire. At some point while they were there, Cruz got out his phone and either sent a text or received a text. There's some conflicting information on this one. Either way, not smart. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. His phone dinged, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. Family, friends, and police searched high and low for Kimberly, but Cruz and Cameron went on living their lives. After dumping Kim's body, Cruz spent the rest of the day at home with a girl he had been dating, and Cam had brunch with his grandmother and mother, who took him to buy a video game afterward, which is a lovely day for him. That night, around 7 p.m., a young male who had been smoking pot with his friends under the Galloping Goose Bridge stumbled across charred human remains. Hmm. Dental records soon confirmed that the body was Kim's. 
the Vancouver Island Major Crime Unit and the RCMP dispatched an investigation team of more than 40 officers on the murder case. Investigators kept close watch as Kim's friends and family took to Facebook, including setting up a public memorial page in her honor. Visitors began trading theories and speculating about who might have killed her. As we do. We do. Investigators closely monitored this page looking for any possible witnesses. Cruz started to feel paranoid. He was seeing all the news. He was seeing, seeing these Facebook groups. He was, he was feeling the heat a little bit. And he wondered if the police could trace his text to his phone to where he had left the charred body. But even with those worries, he still felt the need to tell someone what he had done. <laughs> and who better than his online girlfriend that he met on World of Warcraft? Oh, wow. Loser. He also thought police, like, wouldn't be able to find or pull his chats in the game. So instead of, like, using, like, texting or MSN, he was like, oh, I know. Come chat with me in World of Warcraft. Um, And on March 23rd, five days after Kim's murder, he told his gamer girlfriend in Halifax on MSN that he had something to tell her and that he wanted to do it over World of Warcraft chat instead. Once inside World of Warcraft, he confessed to the crime. Back on MSN, he sent her links to the news reports as backup. The girl was shocked, and she replied, I'll always be here no matter what you do. <laughs> they, I think this was a trick. Yeah. And she was like, oh, yeah, tell me all about it. Meanwhile, she's like, ma'am! Yeah, <laughs> holy shit! <laughs> Um, and Cruz said, that's why I told you, no matter how things turn out, I'll make it up to you somehow one day. According to what the Halifax girlfriend told police, Cameron came on to the World of Warcraft chat and confirmed everything that Cruz had told her. The girl asked Cam, what about her family and her friends and all whose lives you have ruined? And he said, no, I don't feel bad for them. And she ended up saying to Cruz, just don't ever again. And Cruz said, I promise I have no desire to. And I didn't really like include this in there, but he also ends up like right after that talking about how he has no desire to. And he thinks he's going to start up playing this Pokemon game again. Like just wow, change of subject. Just absolute disconnect. disconnection. Piece of shit, for sure. Little punk. Literally. Cruz would show up at school still sometimes, um, but he didn't go very, very much. Like, mm -hmm. They were rebelling hard. Um, but when he did go to school, he had a couple of outbursts. One was directed at Kimberly's friend, Samantha. She had heard Cruz talking about Kimberly and told him to stop as it was too painful and too fresh to talk about. And Cruz had stood up and started screaming, no one fucking cares. She's dead. Who gives a shit? And another student had a similar encounter with Cruz, and he said that Cruz told him, I'm glad she's dead. I hated her. Way to play it. Cool. Like, oh, just horrible. Horrible, horrible, horrible. How mm. not to get away with murder. Like, Literally. Right? You not take block. all of these stupid, these stupid criminals that do the dumbest things and make a whole book about it. How... To not get away with murder. Just the dumbest ones. The ones yeah. that, like, didn't even try. Yeah. <laughs> Horrible. They're so stupid. Cameron Cruz talked on MSN chat about the ongoing investigation. Cameron wrote to Cruz on March 25th and said, 
Since we killed that bitch and it wasn't too hard, we should do it again. Wow. <laughs> like, why not just, like, sign your fucking life away, except for you're in Canada, I guess, so it's not that bad, but... Yeah. Yeah, especially as a teenager, you'd be hard-pressed to get a full 25 years. Yeah, it's pretty bad. So, Cruz and Cam were brought in for questioning, and the boys admitted to seeing Kim that morning, but claimed she left them early to go to school. When a cop asked Cruz what type of person would commit such an act, Cruz said, quote, Someone who thinks it's worth it to kill someone, or someone who's in a fit of rage. That's kind of how he, like, would justify it. Police soon gained enough evidence to get authorization to closely monitor the boys' online activities and keep them under surveillance. Like, they bugged their homes, cell phones, and places that they would hang out. (laughs) Everything. Bugged it. Mm -hmm. Through forensic analysis of the boys' computers and cell phones, they dug up their Google and Wikipedia searches as well as old transcripts of texts and instant messages. In total, the Tech Crimes Unit amassed the equivalent of 1.4 billion sheets of paper. What? This is all these kids did. Wow. On Friday, June 18th, Cruz and Cam were arrested for Kim's murder. They were both extremely calm and somber. Rather than face a trial and jury, the two pleaded guilty to first-degree murder and indignity to human remains. Hmm. Various psychologists testified at the two's trial and claimed they were psychopaths and sexual sadists with little to no capacity for remorse and almost no chance of rehabilitation. In fact, they said, you let them out and they're going to do it again, especially in Cruz's case. In court, Cameron described how he and his friend bound Kimberly's ankles and wrists with duct tape and then took turns sexually assaulting her. He also said to RCMP, quote, if you're going to restrain anything, you know, like um, shackles in prison, you know, legs and arms. And like when you hog tie a hog, you use ex- extremities. And that is the quote verbatim. Wow. Stumbling idiot, doesn't want to talk about it, admits that he did it, but is very immature. Mm-hmm. This interview, he tripped through his words and... Didn't want to talk about any details of the crime. At one point, he even says that he's telling RCMP what happened and what they did, but he shouldn't need to go through all the little details. And I get the sense that he was trying to say, why would I go into that? It's so awkward. Like, stop. Mm. I don't want to talk about that. You're like an adult. It's weird. Very Cameron also later said that he sat in the living room watching TV while Cruz beat and sexually assaulted Kimberly in another room. This was also when he said he was hardly involved in the crime and was just trying to tune it out. Quote, I went and sat in the living room, just the TV was on and just sitting there wholeheartedly trying to forget what's happening and uh, watching the TV. He never made sense. Mm Mm-mm. An idiot. <laughs> Very much so. Court also heard that the two beat Kim unconscious, suffocated her with a plastic bag, and stuffed her body in a deep freeze. The next day, they loaded her mutilated body into a duffel bag and traveled by bus to a well-known high school party spot beneath the Galloping Goose Regional Trail Bridge where they set the body ablaze using a can of camp stove fuel. 
When Cruz Wellwood was 17 and Cameron Moffat was 18, they were sentenced to life in prison with no chance of parole for at least 10 years. 10 years! Which is nowhere near good enough, but that is the Canadian justice system. Wow. 10 years. And imagine being the parents, right? So Kim's mother, Lucy, she wants them dead. So at this time, the one kid was 16, so he can be free by the time time of the crime. 16. But yeah, but when they were sentenced, I just said, Cruz Wellwood was 17 and Cameron was 18, they were sentenced to life in prison. Yeah, but it would, it's still from the date of the crime. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. And like any time that they've served in jail is time credited, time served. So. This little douchebag can get out by the time he's 26, potentially. In 2022, Cruz went up for parole and he was denied. As far as I can tell, Cameron has not tried yet. But yeah, no, Cruz is already trying. He wants out. And Cruz, you know, Canada, they have those like day passes and stuff like that. Yeah. He's, he goes for those every week. Halfway houses. Every week. Oh, that's just disgusting. Yeah. Canada do better. Right. Jesus. Kim's mother, Lucy, wants the boys to die for their crimes, but there's no death penalty in Canada. I can't say I blame her, and the possibility of parole being so close would drive me insane. Like, imagine two people brutally murdered and sexually assaulted your daughter, burned her body, just absolutely ruined your world and 10 years is nothing nothing no lucy said like when an animal is sick you put them down they're not even animals i don't like to use that because kim was a huge animal person Mm -hmm. these two are monsters Mm -hmm. unbelievable to end this one fred proctor kimberly's father said it was difficult for the family to speak publicly about their daughter's death but the Brockers want to do what they can to prevent similar situations. And, you know, closer to the actual crime, they were pushing for changes to the justice system and um, identifying these perpetrators earlier on in their lives. Mm-hmm. And they were really trying for those changes. And, of course, nothing really came of it. But her father said, we came to realize this could have been anybody's child that was murdered in this way. Hopefully some good can come from this, some change for the future for all. This just confirms what we all know. We need better measures set up to help reform teens and our justice system needs to hammer down on these serious offenders. So this has been a decently long one, but I'd like to thank you all for being here and listening to our podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and share it with your friends. If you don't mind giving us a five-star rating, it will help our show grow. You can also find us on Facebook and YouTube at True Crime Story Podcast, where the discussion can continue. If you wish to contact us, you may do so via email at truecrimestorypod at gmail.com. I'm Bree, And I'm Char. And we'll see you on the next chapter. Bye! Bye.